I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. In this episode, we talk about applying the principles of lean to data science and data engineering. Uh, and I think more broadly into using AI and machine learning more generally. This is a topic that we had discussed over the summer and wanted to come back to. Um, six months later, so much has changed and been transformed in the industry. It was really a, a fresh conversation about this idea of what does agile, lean process control look like in an infrastructure automation uh, platform. And so we had a really fascinating conversation thinking through how can we make these very difficult and challenging components of data and data management more agile, more lean. Uh, something I think you'll get a lot out of considering our current hypercharged AI, ML, and LLM environment. Enjoy. I, I, the, the topic that we have scheduled today was to go back to this idea of data science and lean. Yeah. Um, okay. Which, which I find uh, uh, fascinating. I think even in, in the, over the last two weeks, the amount of people talking about AI and how to use AI um, and, and, and the idea of you know, lean from an uh, adoption perspective, I think from a data perspective, this goes back to something we talked about all the way in July. So, so it's it's drifted into the fuzzy realm of memory for me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and but we're, I, go ahead. We're we're talking when you say lean. Are we are we one, once again just to kind yeah. of nail it down? We're talking about agile methodologies, test driven development. That that's what yeah that's what CICD, I have the, yeah CICD types of issues. That is, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're and, talking about. And the topic you said in the, in the notes, it was lean and data analysis. Lean and data right. analysis, yeah. And what are, what are you thinking of as kind of what constitutes data analysis? What, where is it, what are the boundaries around there? Because that covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> It does, um, and I think I think that's considering we haven't gone, we haven't been there for a long time. I think it's it's a little bit on us to get to define where where that goes. It, it's interesting because my when I'm looking back on the um, the topic for July 20th was supposed to be the dark age of data data availability, um, and we were talking about Reddit, Twitter API monetization. It shows you how much has happened in this year. Mm. That, wow. that was our topic from july <laughs> um and and so we've, we've changed you know there's a lot this has been a very busy year in in tech um <laughs> but, but i well, i do i do think there's a lot to be said in figuring out how people can make incremental progress how they can learn these processes um go ahead joy um one of the things that Okay, I remember that discussion. Lean lean data is a Tyler thing, not a me thing. I'm a time to data, time to value, time to decision. Right. Lean, I have a hard time reconciling lean management principles with data, which is consistently 
collected and hoarded for the purposes of <laughs> prediction and usually outdated two minutes after you've collected it. Okay. Seeking time series data, you know, on a factory floor. <laughs> if it's more than five minutes old, is it really relevant? However, that being said, observability might fall into the realm of lean. And that would make sense to me. Yeah, I think a lot of what is now considered data engineering, not data science, but data engineering and lean makes, you know, makes a lot of sense. Because what data engineering is, and it's reasonably new, is the it's it's a special kind of corner of software engineering that has to has a, a few special aspects to it and i think that you know the the application of a lot of the the methodologies and basically the philosophies of how you build out and then operate the underpinnings for data science for machine learning for ai for generative ai is where there's a there's a pretty good overlap. So I have a question. Wouldn't that fall under AI ops more than data uh, engineering? Oh, interesting. Well, I, 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 AI ops, ML ops. Um, How many ops are there in the world? Uh, yeah, <laughs> lots, you know, lots. Let me count the ways. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, I mean. Yes, but uh, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm of the opinion that a, a lot of what is being talked about as AI ops or ML ops is, in fact, uh, you know, data engineering. I mean, it is, it is, huh. it is uh, the the aspects of you know managing the the pipe the the data pipelines managing um the data lakes uh watching that whole that whole process and i mean i would imagine klaus has a has a, a thing or two to say about that but i think that the many times the um the principles and the and the things that have been used successfully in data engineering which is maybe 10 years old as a as a discipline, are being uh, utilized straight up with AI, and if it's now AI ops, because that's what that's the customer, then fine, call it AI ops. I'm not sure it mm. matters. Mm. I, I'm still finding it difficult to draw a line around what AI ops is supposed to be doing. It, it 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 feels like a catch-all, like oh, we 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 do AI with we do or we do ops things with sort of AI. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, about half of what is currently being called AI ops is really just machine learning. So I, I wouldn't really consider it novel, like things like outlier detection uh, or and so on, uh, which mm -hmm. is really common. Already, already in observability and monitoring. Oh, so I mean, I, I won't looking, call it novel either. 
looking for drift, looking for, you know, uh, looking, you know, kind of continuously testing and evaluating. This is something that, you know, data engineering has been been doing with various kinds of analytics and machine learning pretty much since the beginning because you got to. <laughs> yeah. And it it's perhaps more noticeable or more impactful when it happens yeah. in some of these AI apps. But and as such I also wouldn't I wouldn't really equate uh, MLOps with data engineering. Uh, it could it could well be that it, that MLOps is a very specific subset of data engineering, mm -hmm. uh, but but to me the or at least from my perspective the the main distinguisher for MLOps is that um, it it doesn't use AI really it's, it's machine learning it's it's trend prediction and and formulas and it's really used in an automated fashion. So for right. example, if this data falls outside of these parameters, fire off an alert or perform this action. That's that's really what MLOps does. Um, the, well, the, there might be some ancillary things that I, I would shift yeah. on. You said, on you, said other... you, distinguished, you distinguished data engineering from MLOps. Were you saying with the distinction between MLOps and data engineering or MLOps and AI ops? Um, well, there, there are three different terms. Right. Uh, I mean, as you are positioning, data engineering is, is the umbrella term that right. includes, at least in your opinion, AI ops, uh, MLOps, and a lot of the other things. I, I would say that. Um, yeah. So, so I, I wanted to clarify more about um, okay. what, what, in my opinion, MLOps is and, right. and what it isn't. Um, it, it might well be that the th some things that people call MLOps, I would call perhaps AIOps, if I were inclined to use that term. I'm, I'm not really, to be honest. <laughs> um, the, I also find it difficult to use the term data engineering in a practical sense, at, at least from, again, from my perspective, because I'm down mm -hmm. in the trenches. Uh, data engineering is not narrow enough for me to do anything useful with it. It, it can well be useful if you if you look at it from, from a different perspective, like, uh, like perhaps like a trend uh, preview or, or general categorization. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm not in a position to, to talk about those perspectives. Um, so just to clarify, I don't find it useful. It doesn't mean that other people don't find it useful. Well, part of what I what I think of with the lean moniker is just helping people figure out the, the starting points, how to, how to start building AI systems or incorporating AI into the systems they have. Right, your AI ops or ML ops are, are early adopters of of these technologies, which is why I think they're they're not not as interesting anymore. But one of the challenges that I think we've seen over the last couple of days, and frustratingly, is there's a ton of talk about AI. AI you know, everybody's like, but there's very few 
discussions about how to start a journey, where to start, what to do first, which to me is sort of where, when I think of lean from that perspective, I, I think of, you know, being very focused on not creating too big of a footprint in your initial learning cycles, um, which isn't lean manufacturing. Don't get me wrong. Lean manufacturing is totally different. <laughs> think of lean software development. Um, and, you know, when we talk about lean principles in tech, a lot of those mean, uh, to me, mean, um, you know, not, not overbuilding the, not overbuilding. Yeah. Well, but, here's my but, question. Sorry to interrupt you, Klaus. Um, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but here's my question to what Rob just said. You're talking about the use case for AI and building the business case and use case for it. Where do you start? One of the questions, and, and I think this goes to your point about lean, is so I come at it from the point of view that says, I have dirty data. How do I prepare my data as the first step of that journey that you're talking about? And what does it take to do that? And my question previously about AI ops versus data engineering, I think people were looking for, uh, if I'm cleaning my data or what it, a, what does it take to clean data? What does that mean to avoid garbage in garbage out in ML or AI? Um, and you you can build the layers of ethics and ethics and and all all sorts of technical stuff above that. But when you when you start at that point, you need they're looking for an umbrella term to talk about cleaning the data, creating the right pipelines, the continuous testing, the continuous improvement, continuous development, all the CI/CD stuff of that pipeline that starts out as dirty data and ends up being miraculously, look, I'm using ChatGTP. <laughs> but all oh, those are all things that you do with with any kind of data engineering. I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, mon well, you can talk about uh, data cleansing, filtering, mm -hmm. tagging, categorization, right. you know, does the the what you're what you're what I think we're discussing are kind of a set of principles and sometimes some design patterns mm -hmm. that are used um, and have been used since the days of a, about fifteen years ago when people first started talking about big data and right. you know these are these are things that have come to be, you know, trends, patterns, um, mo monitoring performance, continuous evaluation, A-B testing, uh, all of those things, you use them kind of independent of what the, um, what the, the resulting cleaned up data set is going to be used for. Personally, so, I... I feel like those use cases are yeah. kind of a, a, a waste of Gen AI. Um, I really, the, the use cases where I see AI being the, um, the most useful is not as an automation tool, but I, I, as I a human interface. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wasn't. I, I completely agree with you. I, and I, I'm. I guess I'm making a distinction between the engineering parts of this, which is, mm. I think of as oh. the, the care and feeding of the data set. Yeah. And then what you use the data set for could be, you know, prediction and machine learning as we've come to kind of make use of it over the course of the last 10 years, particularly. There might be some cases where the data set gets used for gen AI, in which case, you know, you can start calling it uh, governing the, could be governing training data. It could be, you know, um dealing with you know sequestering data for purposes of um uh retrieval augmented generation but underneath all of it i think we're still talking about a lot of the same same kinds of things so i wasn't i wasn't thinking we were going to use necessarily generative ai or any of these as part of that this is no. more in the service of those those right and, those and, results. and so, so so the reason that i brought that up and and to rob's point in particular is there's this huge disconnect in people's brains between i got to do all the big data stuff to get the foundation right for using AI, regardless of whether it's the HMI that I call generative AI mm -hmm. or generative AI, which I view as being an HMI or something else. So when they're starting that starting point that Rob is talking about, nobody is making that connection that you need to go, you know, to get from here to there, you got to do all the regular big data stuff anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you have to layer into it observability and governance and ethics and and choosing the right data set which in and, in and of itself is a huge undertaking because uh, 90 yeah don't, don't of the forget don't, even don't know. forget deduplication you know yes, authentication of course. all of the lineage and provenance all of those things right independent right. of what the data set gets used for absolutely but which just which is also what why I, I I I'm arguing that it AI and in particular generally is best used on not on um on the ingestion side of the, the data set, but on, on the consuming side. So so summarization, for example. Like yeah. one of the biggest problems these days is that our security tools are producing so much data that humans cannot catch up. Right. So, so in that context, uh, an AI summarizer doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be good enough to be able to mm -hmm. complement a human, to, to be able to highlight the things like, okay, look, look, right. look at this. It's interesting. Let the human make a decision, but, but point it out. Uh, and there are, there are now enterprise tools that, that are focusing on, on, on that specifically. So so yeah. that is uh, there, where the the biggest gain is is, is going to be gotten out of these tools. There are cases and and it it's pretty obvious that there are cases where you use Gen AI to assist you in 
developing agents, tools that those agents make use of. And, and so, but it's at a, it's kind of at a layer above most of the stuff that uh, I've been speaking about and with which Joanne has been speaking about. And I, I think that, you know, this is where you start to enter the, the realm of, you know, is prompt engineering a real thing? And is it the analog to programming? Mm, maybe it no. is maybe it's not i you know they it those are going to be you know philosophical um investigations for a long time um i i i i think i i understand what both you klaus and and joanne are saying and and i think we're i think we're in violent agreement on all of this it's more a matter of um you know starting point perspective and we're we're still dealing with kind of fluffy terminology sometimes and i, I i'm not sure what the answer is there when rob when you talk about um when you talk about lean and we talk about you know the kind of the the disciplines that come along with with lean and kind of lean software uh, right. development. Um, I would say that among the most interesting advances in both machine learning and distinct from machine learning, which is prediction in particular, um, and generative AI, which kind of explodes and splatters yeah. all over the place agile has been a really really important aspect here because it's highly iterative you cut and try you try something out you prototype you expand on the prototype you also are in all of these cases we've seen from big monolithic stats doing everything uh we've come to the point where we've got specialty piece parts and we're you know snapping them together and putting them into a uh you know a data pipeline um or some sort i think that um can you know incorporating in all of your apps tests and evaluation different from testing evaluation performance returning results back to the operation to the pipeline in order to improve it i think that you know a lot of these very same principles the you know cicd all all contribute mightily to what we what we live with today in ml and in ai so I have a question about that, and I'm glad you brought it up. How, because I've been thinking about this a lot, how do you not introduce bias with every iteration that you make? You're introducing result information, but how do you not introduce a, a degree of change of perspective and or the beginning of a bias? 
in the people I or in the I don't have an I don't algorithm. have an answer for that one. Yeah. In the people or the algorithms? Yeah. Or well, or the data. Uh, yeah. Because because you're doing it more iteratively or Yes. Huh. Because think about this. Every time I'll give you a for instance, every time I say to chat GTP as as a for instance, um give me whatever, it spits out an answer. If I then say, well, okay, now add this, in other words, chain of thought, it it actually completely revises what it just said. Mm-hmm. Even if even if all I'm saying is at a comma, every yeah. time it spits out another answer, does, and that does, yeah, yeah, and so every time I go back and I say, well, don't change everything, only add in. <laughs> so amend, append, edit with, revise with, and be very particular about the prompts. Otherwise, yeah. it keeps changing. And so that led me to ask about what we were just discussing. Okay, two questions. Yes. Do you assume that any every every utterance out of ChatGPT or uh, are you assuming that every every one of these responses is also getting thrown back into the pool of training data or not? Because I'm making that assumption. That that, yes. that in in and without reservation, I would say uh, that's going to introduce all kinds of crap and bias, and basically, you know, you're you're basically poisoning poisoning the well with that. I agree, which is why I okay. asked the question. But that's my question to you. That's why you sequester data. That's why you you are you govern what's in the training data set. You govern what's in the these sidecar, you know, retrieval, retrieval uh, augmentation, retrieve, retrieval augmented generation uh, sidecars. Uh, they are closely governed. They're curated, and when you detect bias, which is a big deal, and especially in generative AI, when you detect um drift which is a real thing you yep. go back in there and you you know you adjust it's a it if you're going to use it you're going to get all of these you're going to get all of these artifacts so you 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 know the only way you're not going to get it is if it sits there on the shelf and isn't used ah yeah Go ahead. Even sorry, so let me finish the thought because I think this is also part of that same bias issue. Is if you say you know rewrite, like try this again to get the second version, your in- entire chain of thought thread from the one goes away. It just discards it, or you have to go back into accepting that first version in order to continue as a chain of thought. When it does the revision, it does not continue along right. the same line. It takes it as a, the anomaly in the thread. There's there's definitely a limitation for the, the short-term memory of current current models. Well, but, actually, yeah. that's, that's changing pretty rapidly. 
both in terms of the amount of context that you can keep present and right. its usability. You know, there's a there's a phenomenon where the early parts of a context or the most recent, you know, kind of the latest part of the context seem to have the most impact on on results. That has been changing and that's been addressed in a lot of ways. One of the interesting things about the Gemini paper actually was the both the size of the context as a starting point for the pro version was something like 32 32k which is that's damn big and yeah. they were getting almost no uh indications of you know kind of the the sagging couch effect or the smile <laughs> effect yeah, um yeah. and that uh that has been happening with a number of in a number of cases where people are looking at how to both extend the context and make it useful and usable throughout you know kind of uniformly so i'm not sure that your assumption in a chain of thought or some of these other uh, approaches is necessarily throwing stuff away or supplanting it necessarily. For your specific question, it might be, right. but it doesn't necessarily get thrown back into the pool. I, well, and, I have no way to know. I'm going to have to interrupt because because I'm out of yeah. time for for today. Next week we're talking about how to foster innovation, which I think will will go right in with this one. Uh, and then wow. the week after that is the year-end wrap-up. I really enjoy a conversation like this because there is so much going on in these topics that people need to think about how they can onboard. To me, lean is a question about how do I make incremental improvements? How do I improve it, improve systems by thinking about them as systems. Um, those core techniques and technologies are essential if we're going to make meaningful use of these new technologies. I hope this conversation was helpful. I know we are going to be coming back to this and other topics, and I hope you will enjoy, enjoy, uh, enjoy them and join us at the 2030.cloud. You can see our full agenda. Come in, be part of our book club. There is a lot of ways to be part of the group. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. All part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.